Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, the creator of what the Trump administration has called the only real source of news in the world today, the news aggregator that very nearly puts the word great in aggregator. My dear friend and colleague, Will Pendarvis of willsnews.org. Yeah, I think. It's we, that or com. I don't know. I will mess you stop, up the links. Will you stop with that? No, I, I, will I, you stop humble bragging about your no, site? No, I was on it last I night. I don't know. Is it .com or is it .org? I don't <laughs> no. know. When I was on GoDaddy and I clicked all those and I paid seven ninety nine <laughs> each, I can't recall I what did. happened. No, I got two from... It, it doesn't matter. I was on it last night and I clicked on the thing that says, click here for the blog, and it said page cannot be found. So, you know, it's a work in process. I believe it is a work in progress. In progress. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hearing good things about your aggregator. Awesome. Are we colleagues? Sure. Why wouldn't we be? Well, so I wrote that down because I thought it's a funny word to say, and then I started thinking about like when I was a espresso barista. <laughs> were those my colleagues? At what point do you graduate from coworkers to colleagues? I think it depends on career. If you are going to be a barista mm-hmm. for your entire life, then you have colleagues who are also baristas. I'm going to look it up. Well, I shouldn't do this. I don't know. It's making me very uncomfortable that you told me that the guy who I can still see out this window is capable of hypnotizing people in yeah. a, at a moment's notice. I can't look at him. He's amazing. His name is Darren Brown. And he did... Okay, you had to have heard of the show The Push. Oh, I don't have to have heard of anything. It's an unethical, <laughs> terrible show where cool. they convince someone to, a normal person, to murder someone by pushing him off the top of a building. They don't actually murder the person, but they think that they are murdering a person. They get them to the point where they actually would do it. Yes. You know, him showing that a lot more people than you would think mm-hmm. would murder. Oh, yeah, right. Like, everybody has it. Everybody has it. Almost everybody has it in them, right? Uh, apparently. I mean, he did show the- uh, I don't feel other... murderous in the slightest, but I know that, you know, and I just watched a war movie last night. Obviously, you know, gener- a generation, gen- many generations have been pushed to, uh, I guess you don't call that murder, but it's, no. it's killing people. I feel very murdery. No, I'm no, you kidding. don't. No, uh, but um, the thing is, is that I first discovered him because he could, you know, hypnotize people, and he did this great thing where he had these people playing a zombie game and hypnotized them, and then brought them down to a basement where there were uh, zombies and stuff. And so people thought somehow they had like gotten into this game. <laughs> he just he plays kind of cool, funny tricks on people, and right. you know, people like Simon Pegg and stuff. You know, brought him into the room and said, "What have you always wanted for Christmas?" And of course, it's you know, some you know, a telescope, whatever. But he makes him by uh, like uh, neural linguistic stuff, hypnot- all that other stuff. Makes him think he wanted a shiny red bike and has the shiny red bike. But he's like, I don't know why I said I wanted a shiny red bike. It's really funny. You have to look him up on uh, YouTube. It's Darren D A R R E N. So this airs. This is a UK show. Yes. 
Yeah, should but we get him in here? I feel. Like, I mean, I, we're in. talking about this guy. He sounds very interesting. I could <laughs> well, see him. He's just yeah, no, sitting there. <laughs> no. I think he's got other obligations, but uh, he is a fascinating person. It's too bad you got stuck with me. He, when he was available. Are you friendly with him? <laughs> no, no. I just I was like, oh my God, hey, Darren Brown, you're you're sitting here in this room just drinking coffee, uh-huh. hanging out. Are you sure he didn't tell you to say that? I don't know. No, I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure of anything. Do you know, it's funny that you mention pushing people off the roof because um, you and I have both done a little bit of homework and thank you in advance for having done that for this um this episode of, uh, of of the Tully Show, which is going to be about paradoxes, did you come across the paradox of? No, uh, well, no, it's not paradox. Of the guy who jumps off the building because he wants to commit suicide, but then on his way down, somebody's trying to shoot his wife, but he misses, and so he shoots the guy who's falling. But then there's a net that was going to catch people if they committed suicide. So actually, the suicide was impossible. And so the this guy, guy committed murder. Could be on the hook for murder, except <laughs> that he knew for a fact that the gun was never ever loaded. Except that it turns out, <laughs> oh, God, that his son was pissed at his mom because she like cut him out of a will or something like that. So the son may have loaded the gun because he knew that the dad waves it angrily at the mom and pulls the trigger because the dad always and the mom always assume it's not loaded but then the guy who jumped off the building was the son who was so bummed out at his unsuccessful attempts to kill his own mom wow you didn't didn't come across that (laughs) (laughs) you're making this up as you go aren't you i wish i were capable of such a thing so um my just mm-hmm. let me say my I, I didn't know it at the time, mm-hmm. but I had two kind of introductions into uh, paradoxes. Is that the right word? It seems like it should be paradoxi or paradigm. Paradoxum. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to call it paradoxes. But I had two introductions when I was a kid. And I didn't know they were paradoxes. But the first one is, where was the man when he jumped off the bridge? This is something we would say when we were in fourth grade. So where was the man when he jumped off the bridge? How would he not have been on the bridge? That's before he jumped off the bridge. When he jumped off the bridge, he was still on the bridge because the critical act of jumping is gathering yourself and your momentum down to push off. He was on the bridge when he jumped. True. But I think to me it's it's at the point where it you, was a simpler time. No, no. To me, it's the point where of no return is the point where you've jumped off the bridge. I see. Um, I mean, yeah. So when he jumped off the bridge. He had to have been off the bridge. Yeah, after he jumped. You know, that was the whole thing. It'd be mm-hmm. like, is he's in the air? No, that's after he jumped. He's on the. This bridge. is why I don't like sports anymore because yeah. this is why instant replay goes. What do you mean? It's just constantly about, it's like, you see, there, no, no, the toe is actually still touching, but if you look at the rule book, he's in the act of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's completely lost the point of why uh, I started watching this shit in the first yeah, place. Yeah, but that's a little thing we just used to do when we were kids, and the other one was, uh, and and it was brought up kind of in a religious context, it was like, uh, you know, as far as, you know, God being uh, omnipotent, could God make a rock so heavy he couldn't pick it up? Right. Or could God build a prison that even he couldn't escape out of? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sounds like a more Marvel DC twist on the God paradox. It, it sounds like a way you can trick God into getting into a prison. <laughs> but <laughs> well, we've finally done it. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it, 
to me, the answer was always yes. Yes. But then he could pick up the rock. See, to me, the answer to that one was always... There is no God! No, that oh. God... <laughs> yeah, God can make a rock so... It, it seems like the, the, the ability to be omnipotent would be so much more r- relevant in a general sense than the ability to do any discrete, specific thing. Mm-hmm. So, yes, God, God creating a rock he can't pick up, although he cannot pick it up. Just goes to show that he can do absolutely anything. Wow, that's way deeper than the answer I came up with, which Mm -hmm. is omnipotence doesn't mean you can do anything. It means that you can do anything that is possible. You're all powerful is literally what it it means. Yeah. There's a a more depressing um, theological one, um, God paradox. I hope I can remember it off the top of my head. God is... All knowing, omnipotent, mm-hmm. and benevolent. Okay. One of those three things cannot possibly be true. Okay. Why? Given the existence of 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 suffering in the world. Hmm. I'll have to. That's that's really gonna have to roll around my head for yeah, a minute. We can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll come, a, come we, back to that in a couple jumped, of years. We jumped right <laughs> into the deep end. They gave me that one on a quiz when I was fifteen. <laughs> Wow. Um, Sounds like a, a Google job interview question. So I got a couple uh, quotes here just to get the ball rolling. Um, uh-huh. Oscar Wilde once One of my said- favorites. He's such a witty, witty man. Oscar Wilde, yeah, the original Morrissey, once said, <laughs> we live in an age where unnecessary things are our only necessities. <laughs> he just spewed shit like that all the time. I think he? you know it's really funny. I feel like Oscar Wilde is like a greatest hits artist where we know the ones that landed. All right. <laughs> He's just sitting around saying this shit all day. Yeah. You're like, shut up. Sometimes he walks into a room and is like, Do you notice that you sweat <laughs> when you put on a sweater? But park in a driveway or whatever. <laughs> and people are like, Yeah, Oscar. <laughs> I also think he was one of these guys who was like uh like he was very witty after two beers, but he usually had twelve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A very unflattering portrait. <laughs> so, Oscar Wilde, we live in an age where unnecessary things are our only necessities. Don Henley once said, the more I know, the less I understand. Attributed to uh, Socrates as well. <laughs> but, uh, no, but one of those old but, dead guys did say, uh, uh, I know that I know nothing. Which Don is Henley is technically paradox. alive. <laughs> <laughs> I said ancient. <laughs> Uh, He's got a new album, son of a bitch. (laughs) And uh, John Lennon once said, it's weird to not be weird. So deep. Yeah, I know. These are examples of assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's move on to paradoxes. (laughs) You know, I don't know if you found this as well. There's a lot of... um, there, paradoxes exist on many levels. Like the things that I just read are paradoxes, and then there are the the, the middling middle brow sort that I assume you and I are going to be discussing. And then there's like mathematical paradoxes. Yeah, and I definitely had that sensation of touching the ceiling of my mental capability researching this, of actually seeing how far my brain was able to go. And honestly. I'm either not as smart as I used to be or I was never as smart as I think I was because I found left and right. Th- these aren't so much a list of my favorite paradoxes mm-hmm. as a list of the paradoxes I was able to understand. 
No, I, I got you. Uh, I didn't understand some of the paradox. Like, I really honestly don't get the uh, uh, Achilles trying to race the tortoise thing. Yeah, right? I mean, I think the trick to that one is it's really not about Achilles racing a tortoise, but it's about the fact that any amount of space is infinitely dividable. Right. So you can't come so close to something that you're uh, any further you would be touching it because any amount of space you could divide in half. Well, right. I wrote that one down. See, that one I like. The Achilles one is supposed to be he's very fast and the tortoise, of course, is very slow and he gives the tortoise a head start. And by virtue of the fact that, well, by the time he runs 100 meters, the tortoise will have moved another three. And by the time he covers the three, the tortoise will have gone <laughs> another six inches that basically he can never... Yeah. It theoretically catch up to the tortoise, even though we all know that he Yeah, will. ignoring the fact that a guy can run past a, a, a turtle. <laughs> right. right. That's what's aggravating. Well, but see, but that's, what's aggravating about that is to me what's sort of satisfying about the other one that you touched on, which is the more straightforward version of this, which probably everybody listening to this um, is familiar with, that if you walk from one side of the room to the other, at a certain point you've walked halfway. And then you walk halfway of that, and then you walk halfway of that, and halfway of that, and essentially two things can never really be touching because they're always just covering half the distance. You're totally blowing my mind, man. <laughs> and you can get to that point. Where, and I thought about this. But it's, I, I it's literally, infinitely. I've, I've literally like put my fingers together to try. We to... all have. We all have. Totally. We've all put our fingers together thinking about that. <laughs> And all that I can think is that I'm I'm guessing on some atomic level there is still space between my finger even my fingers even when they're touching. Yeah, I that mean, has to kind of be the answer, right? Yeah, you know, until what? Until the the, the particles enter, till one particle passes another particle, but half a particle, I, I, then half of that. God I damn know. it! I've touched things. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have. You're not going to convince me different. I'm touching all kinds of shit right now. <laughs> Shut up, books. <laughs> I'm touching shit. <laughs> Great T-shirt for philosophy class. I saw uh, a a guy I judged to be homeless um, on my drive in today wearing a T-shirt, like kind of like it said a, philosophy major. No, <laughs> oh. it said it said blessed. And it was this sort of like blousey, like um, three quarter length t shirt, like baseball jersey, comfy kind of thing. And I realized there were one of two scenarios. Either this was this like homeless guy with some perspective that, in a sense, we are even the lowest of us are all blessed, or some chicken Brentwood moved on to a different hashtag on her PJs and gave that shirt to Goodwill. <laughs> or maybe it said bloused. <laughs> <laughs> I don't All right. know. You are my guest, and we have each prepared some paradoxes for uh, hopefully fruitful conversation. Um, what is your first paradox, Will Pendarvis mm. of Will's News dot something gov? <laughs> um, bootstrap. The bootstrap paradox. I don't know that one. Imagine that a time traveler buys a copy of Hamlet from a bookstore, travels back in time to London, and hands the book off to Shakespeare, who copies it out and claims it as his own work. The centuries that follow, the book is reprinted and all that, until finally that time traveler person buys a copy of Hamlet that they're going to take back in time. Who wrote Hamlet? It's never actually written in that scenario. That's right. 
That's right. Do you know what? I came across this one as well, and I was like, that's stupid. Shakespeare wrote it, but now that we're actually saying it out loud. Yes. I think... And also, I was on some douchey sites where people just started getting into string theory and stuff. To... Yeah, I know. I mean, string theory does ruin a lot of paradoxes because of... Not like, for me. <laughs> the Schrodinger's cat and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, casual loop, you know. Isn't it causal? Yeah, causal. Sorry, yeah. I, I always say that. Causal loop. Um it ruins a lot of paradoxes because you can say, oh, the book was written by Shakespeare and not written by Shakespeare. Yeah, alternate, alternate timelines. But it doesn't – yeah, that's kind of not what we're doing here because until time travel becomes anywhere near the realm of feasibility, these are just brain puzzles that help us sort of understand the nature of reality. That's yeah. a, it's a cop-out, really. It's, it's, it's ans- it's, you're, not, you're not answering – you're talking oranges and you're answering in apples. Whoa. What's Schrodinger's, <laughs> what's Schrodinger's cat? You know, you put a cat in a box with some kind of nuke, just poison, and you close the lid, and then... No, you don't. Yeah, you do. It's it's a horrible thing to do. No, no, you you, you put the cat in there with the poison. Anyway, (laughs) okay, let's say it's a baby. (laughs) Schrodinger's baby. (laughs) Okay, it's a cat. Uh, So you put the cat in there with the poison. Maybe the cat knocks over the poison and dies, and maybe it doesn't. Until you open the box and observe the cat, the cat is both part dead and part alive. And I forgot the kind of equation, a wave... That 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 you know uh, stands in place of this, but it's constantly in balance of you know the cat dead, the cat alive, in various increments, you know. But um, you don't know, so the cat is in the superposition of being both dead and alive while it's in the box and unobserved. I should have been born in the 18th century. Because <laughs> 20th century philosophy is just so obnoxious to me. It almost just seems like they'd figured out all the interesting stuff and then they had to just keep on making up new shit to amuse themselves. But it's not because – It's like prog is, rock. No, this is not like, uh, you know, uh, imagine a cat. It's, it's, it's actually – Oh, he really did this? It, no. <laughs> yeah, he really killed a cat. <laughs> no, he uh, – it's about – mathematics and solving, you know, theoretical physics problems, which, you know, uh, do help us uh, today because we have Velcro. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, no, I, I, theoretical. Sh- I don't need to understand theoretical, you know, science and math and stuff to understand that it is and will continue to be very helpful to us and is very necessary and would be necessary even if it didn't have practical applications. But that specific example is just like, I mean, pretty obviously the cat might be dead. Like, yeah, it's but, not. It's not both alive and dead. That's ridiculous. That's but, like that whole thing that you hear about, like babies supposedly, which I don't believe it's true. That if they can't see something, they think it ceased to exist. That's why babies cry when their mom leaves the room. You know that's why peekaboo is so exciting. Yeah, they just fall for it over and over and over again. Yeah, they're so stupid. Babies, babies are, dumb. are fucking morons. I know. But no, and I, fat. No, I think. <laughs> okay, now you're just being mean. Um. Okay, they're stupid, but you don't have to call them fat. Uh, yeah, but I think it's important to have uh, a mathematical way of showing uh, – because, you know, it just doesn't uh, apply to alive or dead. It applies to anything. Just imagine a structure that could have many different positions, like a tripod. You know, you can put the um, uh, legs up on a tripod or out. You can make one shorter than the other. You have to have an equation that, that shows that even – um, and the way somebody had explained it to me a, a long time ago, and I won't 
get it right by any means. But, you know, if you're uh, uh, waiting in line at the supermarket for a self-checkout and there's like, you know, 20 self-checkout registers open and you're waiting in line to get to one, you know, the the mathematical probability that you're going to go to one checkout stand over another is something. But also, what everything that you did in your life has led to that point to where you're standing in that line. So uh, there was a mathematical probability that you would end up at one of those checkouts a week ago and a month ago and a year ago. And the day you were born, there was a mathematical probability that you would end up at that checkout. And the culmination of life to this point. changing, you know. Yeah, it's me claiming that my organic avocados are the regular ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Getting the cheaper avocado <laughs> price. Are these oh, the medium or the small? Fuck and it. you they're have the, your defense. They're the small. You have your defense ready. What? Oh, these what? are organic. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! You I'm... guys keep moving shit around. <laughs> Blame it on them. Uh, here, here's a. Uh, have we adequately covered the bootstrap? No, but go ahead, because we'll never. You know, you know, none of these will be. The Shakespeare thing is. Shakespeare is interesting in the regard. It's been remarked upon many, many times, but it. I think we do basically accept that there was one historical Shakespeare and it just seems un is he the most unparalleled genius who ever lived he would certainly have to be I would think because even if you consider other geniuses work as great a Mozart the Beatles what have you the volume that is like, did true. he ever did he ever rewrite or did he just fucking like nail it Every single time. It is amazing. We could probably do a whole other, even less interesting show about <laughs> all of the sayings that we all use, or are at least, you know, very familiar with, yeah. that we do not know come from Shakespeare. He invented swagger. Did he? Swag. Oh, that's, oh, that's another, <laughs> another terrible show we shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> I love the phenomenon of, so I was hanging out with uh, an old person and they were saying something was legit. And I love the process. I think of it as like waves, you know, when you're at the beach and you kind of know how, you know, most waves go so far. And then there's always that one wave that makes people have to move back and shit like that. Somebody coins a word or a phrase or a way of saying a word that just hits the sweet spot so much that it even permeates like 60 year olds. That one wave that comes in a little bit further than like my dad, my dad picked up. Don't go there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. And I just, I would love to know. But, but your dad's not saying that's dope or whatever. No, you right? Know. Yeah, he yeah. wouldn't. It would be ridiculous. And there's this other six-year-old lady who's who's saying legit instead of legitimately, um, which has pretty much just become the word now. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I just I find that fun, uh, so fascinating that like somebody at some point said something was cool. Yeah, and whoever they said it to was like, yeah, that is you, you, cool. That that, that is cool. <laughs> And cool has remained the def- the the word for cool for ever forever. It's, it's still cool to say cool. It's the better part of a century, and it's not going anywhere. Who did that? That's like the greatest. That's the coolest person who ever lived. It is. But going back to Shakespeare, I never really thought of him as being the you know uh, one of the great geniuses because. I guess it's because I kind of delegitimized him because he's an entertainment instead of science. Oh, okay. No, I'm. I'm definitely. That's. I'm really showing my hand there, right? I'm not. I'm not even considering people who have made a practical contribution <laughs> to life. Makes us live longer. Whatever. Yeah, you yeah, know the artistic. Yeah. The artistic geniuses. 
Da Vinci's another one where it just seems yeah, I, I basically crazy. what I gather just just it, once you get to the 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 zenith of greatness and we can no longer say well no you know Da Vinci was a better artist than Mozart then to me it just sort of becomes a matter of of output and Mozart's being relatively very limited you know other people being a normal lifetime's work and then you have yeah Da Vinci and 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 Shakespeare who seem to have like 10 lifetimes worth of work and don't yeah. and you've never heard anybody ever say I mean there's lesser works but you've never heard anyone say yeah that's the shitty Shakespeare play that's right. the one that sucks like right. whatever you know I mean the Beatles wrote number nine who cares that's sh- that's the shitty Shakespeare play and I don't think it's because people just you know be easy and cynical to say well he's just great we just say everything he did is great I believe people do find worth and value and meaning in every fucking word he ever wrote it, it, that, you know what now I mean now I never really thought about that in that way and now that you mention it yeah man da vinci's insane insane and then with him i mean maybe maybe he wins this and i say this having no knowledge whatsoever of what shakespeare ordered that's what the show's about (laughs) kind of kind of big questions no answers right um da vinci shakespeare just wrote plays and sonnets to the best of my knowledge and da vinci was inventing things science art i mean that guy was insane the understanding of um isn't it so crazy people <clears throat> a big reason why paintings used to be so unrealistic is because um people didn't have an accurate sense of the human form which seems yeah. so crazy because it's everywhere you look and all you need to do is look in the mirror but if i'm not mistaken da vinci got special dispensation from the Pope to do some autopsy shit. Yeah. And, and learn about <laughs> the anatomy so you can see, like, the veins in the person's hand, mm-hmm. you know? You see mm-hmm. all those uh, little details that are just ridiculous. And the musculature and all right, that. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, um, the ship of Theseus, a.k.a. Tigger's Broom. Okay, I don't know that one. You do, though. Another form. Um, if I take a part from a car, mm-hmm. car A, and I install it in car B... Car B is still car B, but if I continue taking one part, then another, then another from A and replacing them into B, at what point is car B no longer car B, but becomes car A? I'm doing that with my sob over the last five years. (laughs) Okay. So. (laughs) Is it your sob anymore? Uh, Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I guess it still has matching numbers. Um, That's the grandfather's axe thing. And yes. in a more simpler way, if you get you inherit grandfather's axe, mm-hmm. and at some point the blade becomes dull, and you replace the head of it, and then later on the uh, the handle breaks, and you replace the handle. Is that still grandfather's axe? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I guess Tigger and Winnie the Pooh did the exact same thing with this broom, kept replacing the the handle and the the whisk uh, or whatever. So was it his broom? <laughs> was it Tigger's broom? <laughs> I don't know. That's a weird yeah. thing. I'm inclined to say no as soon as you replace all. Well, but say your cells it... replace themselves, don't they? Aren't you uh, yeah. a completely different cells as you. So were you that person? I've been making this case for many years and I, I found it very clever to, to sort of point that out because that's the case that I would make for why uh, musicians start to suck. Is like I met Frank Black from the Pixies. And that's not the guy who made Doolittle. It's literally not. He's just the closest thing we've got. That's really a weird way of looking at things. Well, it's like, how come he was able to make that? Because Frank Black 
I think Doolittle is the most ingenious album that I will ever hear. I just personally believe that. It's it's listenable, it's fun, kids can dig it, and it's actually like totally revolutionary. It, it just works on every conceivable level. It's funny, it's poignant, it's just... Wait, which fun. album is that? Doolittle, the second Pixies oh, yeah, album. Yeah, okay. It's just fucking amazing. And uh, he's just horrible now. He just, he's been... He, he he lost it so quickly and he's so prolific and he just keeps on putting shit out and it's just nowhere close. And I feel horrible saying that, but he cannot recapture the magic in any way, shape or form. <clears throat> and that's what I kind of realized is, well, if you go see the Pixies play, who else should be singing for the Pixies but a guy who is a genetic replica of the guy who made Doolittle? <laughs> okay, but see, you're talking on a really weird level here. I know, it's like I know, the, it's, I know. It's the st- it doesn't make sense. It's the Star Trek thing. It's where, you know, uh, when uh, Captain Kirk beams down to a planet, he doesn't actually beam down to the planet. What happens is the Captain Kirk is destroyed and then cells are put together on the planet in such a way that it thinks that it's Captain Kirk and everybody around it thinks that it's Captain Kirk, but it's not. It's a completely different being. So, so you've when he comes killed... Back, when he comes back, is he twice divorced from yeah, his original no, now it's, Yeah, now it's a copy of a copy of Captain Kirk. I didn't know that. I mean, that's I guess the, how else could it work, right? Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, that's a weird thing to think. I'm going to step onto this thing. It's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. But there'll be somebody there that thinks it's me. That can carry, well, and can carry on the, the torch. <laughs> well, um, I guess. Right. And I, actually, in doing my research for this, it gave me finally this scientific proof to disprove this nonsense that I've been saying for 20 years. Oh, um, okay. Basically, I guess we do have a, a certain amount of, I don't know if it's like RNA or whatever, that, that doesn't die. And... Like the command center is consistent all the way through, and you're, and that, ex- of course, you can't explain if you're changing over for seven years, every seven years, all your cells. Well, then, how can you have chronic diseases? Wow, you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so appa- apparently, it's 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 nonsense, but it made me feel better about being in the presence of Frank Black and knowing he couldn't write another Monkey's Gone to Heaven. That make you feel better about it. Hmm. Well, it made me feel less, more. Um, gentle of spirit and less critical of him how could he he's probably tortured by that as well but he's not frank black he's he's not black francis anymore he's literally not black francis anymore while we're on some crazy uh thing here let me just ask you two questions blow my mind baby where are you i mean you know uh, am i not on a bridge no (laughs) whoa uh no where are you where do you exist right are you in your brain or in your body yeah, are you even in your body? I mean, think if you were like on a different planet. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take the movie Avatar for example. You know, you get into that blue skin or whatever. <coughs> God, uh, but, I barely remember Avatar. How long does it take to make a sequel? <laughs> you know, but you know, you transport you know all your senses into a being, then you feel like you're in that being. Yes. Because all the senses are coming in. And we're practically dreams. I think we have the sensation that our dreams don't really happen to us, but we are really there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you could exist a billion miles from here. Yes. Uh, but just be using this body as a vessel where you're getting all the senses in, so it feels like you're here. So where are you? 
Because are you in your brain? Are you right. in your heart? Are you in your foot? There's a, and I'm not saying this to be a dick. There's a there's a more simple and elegant way of saying this than okay. you're saying that I that I read before, and I can't I can't think of what it is. Because there's a great example that really kind of puts the the if you're like a brain in a jar somewhere, but there's a body operating in Utah, or you know, yeah. are you, what, where are you? There's, there's but it's a, a much better way. I just I can't call it to mind because people are talking about you know um, I know this sounds crazy futuristic, but a lot of the news today sounds crazy futuristic. It people does. are talking about building avatars so people be laying in a bed and have you know their VR shit whatever it is yeah. and they'll be out on the street doing mm-hmm. things well right so people will talk about the fact that you can talk about parts of your body as a possession in a way makes them distinct from you you know if it's if it, obviously if you lose your arm are are, are are have you lost yourself no of course you have right. um if you lose it's hard to imagine losing your brain, but if there were a way that they could give you a replacement brain that just hit the ground running, well, then yeah, truly, where are where are you? And I I think the unsatisfying answer to that is that you are where you are, because you can exist as an avatar. You can exist in a brain wherever you are consciousness and the accumulated memories, attitudes, and abilities that make up your being are, is where you are. Utterly free of bodily constraints. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm going to pause the show for a minute. <laughs> That's all I wish I could do. Uh, okay, and then my second question is, yeah. when you get to that uh, cusp, I, I, when I, as a kid, Throughout my life, I've had, you know, I've, I've thought about infinity. And I reach a point where it feels like I'm kind of almost there and then I'm snapped back. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense to you? When you, you earlier you, you said. Are you talking about like being infinite or, or understanding the concept of The concept infinite? of infinity. Right. Yeah, okay. I, think I mean, that's when, about right. when, when you reach a level uh, of thinking about something where you feel like you're almost there, I mean, mm-hmm. you were talking earlier about. Reaching a limit of intelligence and thinking about something. Yeah, scraping the ceiling of your brain. Is there some physical or some feeling or what does that feel like to you? Is there anything? Oh, um, yeah, it actually feels a little um, like claustrophobic. Hmm. It feels like I've like found the door I can't unlock. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, uh, you know, mental. This is going to sound so weird. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like mentally about to glow and then I'm boom, I'm like back. You're about to, yeah. It's like the, the people who have the uh, <clears throat> the alien abduction stories that they kind of yeah. t- yes. touch something sort of transcendent and then they yeah. wake up and they're just like, oh man, I'm just fucking in my shitty bed and my butt hurts a little. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my butt hurts too. Yeah. I, you know, Infinity, I, lo- I actually really love. Oh, the only way we can understand infinity is to understand a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and they're not nearly the same thing. But um, you know, the band Built to Spill. Yeah, yeah. They have uh, their their probably most well known album, uh, "Perfect from Now On," mm-hmm. has a lot. the 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 title, the, the track that has the name of the album in it, um, is called "Randy Described Eternity," and it's just the lyrics are very, very, very profound. Um, and the opening lyric is and clearly some friend of his had a couple of beers and tried to describe eternity, and that's what the song's about. Every thousand years, this metal sphere, ten times the size of Jupiter, floats just a few yards past the Earth. You climb on your roof and take a swipe at it with a single feather and hit it once every thousand years. 
And then he goes on to say, however long it takes to grind that ball down to the size of a pea. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, it's definitely the biggest amount of time I can possibly imagine described in that song. Yeah, and that's just nothing. Right. Compared and, and, to and, Infinity. And he's he, Yeah, and I think he that there's a kind of a lyric I can't really understand, but I think he basically he <laughs> says that is like it's just a drop in the bucket of what Infinity is. Wow. Yeah, do you have another uh, paradox? Yeah, I actually do, and I think it might be uh applicable. Um uh the Paradox of Tolerance. Do you know that one? Maybe. Uh, unlimited tolerance must lead to the disappearance of tolerance. If we extend unlimited tolerance, even to those who are intolerant, if we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against intolerant people, then the tolerant will be destroyed and the tolerance with them. So if everybody just tolerates everything, mm-hmm. everything's fine, you can do, you know, I'm, you're, everything. Libertarianism. Then intolerance will take over. So uh, you, 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 you got to be bad to the bad guys to preserve the goodness. You have to be intolerant towards intolerance the, to preserve in to- tolerance. tolerance. Yeah, the only way to have a tolerant society is to not tolerate intolerance. Yes. <laughs> That's a bizarre one. It's a bizarre concept. I'm not sure it's entirely true. It might be. It might be. You know, these are things that would probably like almost just like de- depend on the specific circumstances and and the the characters of individual societies. I think that sometimes it's funny because, again, I just saw this war movie last night and it sort of explores that eternal question of if we're going to beat the bad guys, we're going to have to be even worse than them so that we can preserve the goodness right. back home. Right. Sometimes that is indisputably true. And at other times, it starts a small corrosion that can spread to – that's the seed of, of, of intolerance. Right. That by – you become the thing that you despise – yeah, you can see a world By where it's like, it. hey, uh, everybody's got to be good, and if you're not, we're going to come to your house and slaughter you, you know, right? at any infraction, and therefore, we will have a perfect goodness, yes. but you're doing such horrible things for that perfect goodness that it's not perfect goodness, it's it's a horrible thing. And the thing that you're talking about is more of a theoretical thing, but, you know, human nature, obviously, you, you need only look at, like, communist purges to see that... You're never going to rid people are people are always going to find a way to use any system, no matter how utilitarian it claims to be, to further their own personal goals. And once there's a justification for killing people you don't like, then somebody is going to uh, going to exploit that for um, not the stated goal of what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. And that person is Joseph Stalin. It's almost human nature to number one. If somebody tells you you can't do something, to figure out a way you could do it. Or, yeah, to at least want to figure out how that would work, right? Yeah. And number two, um, to rationalize the way you feel about things, you know? Um, Right. You know, you use information selectively to think, yeah, but, you know, I am doing the right thing because, you know? 
Is that confirmation bias? Yeah, when you see, you know, a news report that says, you know, uh, uh, babies are evil, or I don't know, uh, babies are great, and you don't think they are, and you're like, oh, see, that's uh, the news trying to uh, hypnotize me into babies are good, or whatever, you know, it's... Well, and all they need to do is, and we don't need to change the subject, but, um, and, and dirty our hands and sully this broadcast with talks of contemporary politics, yeah. B- but... Um, once you have decided that some outlet um, represents, you know, the news that you don't want to hear, all it takes is one tiny misstep by yeah. them yes. to discredit the entire operation. Exactly. And that's the same way with politics is is um, when, uh, I don't, God, I don't want to change the subject, but I just read, you know, the Beto, that's how you say his, say his name. Uh, Beto? Uh, Beto? I thought, it was, I thought it was, I, I've just read it. I I'm just not, read shit. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I hate I, fucking. I hate yeah. TV news. I will not watch it. Said fuck in his concession yes. speech, and I saw this in my newsfeed presented as uh, well. He went out like the Maverick. He went in as, and he said, "I fucking love you guys for helping me out," and it uh-huh. went out on TV and stuff like that. And yeah, the inclination is to say, "Well, that's not." Yeah, of course he shouldn't do it, but he was just being honest, and the word doesn't have the the, the filth factor it used to. Well, in context, in you context, know, too, he wasn't, he wasn't saying, saying, "I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go get that, chick. that fucking guy." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't yeah. saying it in a mean or, or or hateful way, but it is, it, it, it that is me saying he's not a bad guy. He just did a thing that right. he maybe shouldn't have done. And if done. you think he is a bad guy. That's proof of it. But there's plenty of other people where all you need is remember that one time that one guy said that one thing, and that was the one time he couldn't conceive uh, conceal his inherent evil. Right. No, yeah. exactly. You can use information any way you want to, and we are in an age of non-truths. And, yeah. And, and look, um, I, 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 it's weird to me, though, how this kind of thing corresponds to math and, and science and physics and all that, because you know it, it reminds me of the thing where— uh, a guy's you know proven recently or, or whatever that yeah you are likely to not have as many friends as your friends do. Oh, I got that one here. That's, yeah, that's one of my next ones. That's that's I mean that's mathematically true. Most and it people's seems bizarre. Most people's friends have more friends than they do. Yeah, but it's not actually really that paradoxical. There's a no, very concrete reason why. Yeah, exactly. It's mathematical, and it's the same thing as uh, you know, you uh, have three doors, and uh, you choose one of. You're trying to look for the gold, the Monty Hall paradox. Yes. So, um, you you choose door number one, and then I show you. No, it's not behind door number one. Now. No, no, no. No, that's you choose not door number one. You choose door number one, and Monty Hall shows you door number three is empty. Yes. Now. Which door do you pick? Mathematically, you should pick door number two. Right. It seems that it's a coin toss now between one and right. two because that your earlier choice was irrelevant. All you now know is that it's not behind three, so it's 50-50, one or two. Apparently, this is one of the ones where I bounced my brain against the ceiling. It's it's a 67% chance it's yeah. behind number two for reasons I couldn't understand. Isn't that bizarre? It's kind of like the boy-girl paradox, where if you know uh, 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 a couple of parents have two kids and you know one of them is a male, what's the chance the other one is a female? I would assume it's like 51%. Right. Uh, but it's it's a, Are a, we in a, China? a third. <laughs> no. It's a third. <laughs> It's a third because of all the uh, – you can have older older brother, younger sister, older brother, younger brother. You can have four different scenarios like that, and 
the chance of it being uh, a male and younger sister is one-third, as opposed to male and older sister, male and younger brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it weird how philosophy and physics and math are all really tied together? It's one thing. It's comforting. Um, I saw one that I I still can't understand, and I, I don't know that I care to try any more than I already have. You know enough about baseball to understand this. Apparently, there you know who Derek Jeter is. And so yeah, there, there yeah. was a guy who was his teammate on the Yankees, uh, Halle Berry's ex husband, Dave Justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he from, used to play for the Braves. That's right. From ninety five, ninety six to ninety seven. Dave Justice had a higher batting average than Derek Jeter for each of those three years. Mm-hmm. But if you average the numbers over the three years, Derek Jeter has a higher average batting a bat, average batting average for those three years than Dave Justice does. And apparently that is true. And I'm looking at fucking graphs and cosines. <laughs> wow. And it works. How could that possibly be possible? That's a paradox. <laughs> I don't know if it is. I, honestly, at this point, I don't even know. Is this a paradox? Nietzsche said, mm-hmm. speaking of assholes, either man is a mistake of God or God is a mistake of man. That's not a paradox. That's like uh, he's trying to be all... Uh... <laughs> well, you can't say Nietzsche's trying to be clever. No, I would, argue, I, I would I, argue that for his time that was fairly clever. Yeah, but that is a little... Uh, why do you park in a driveway? Drive in a parkway. I mean, neither thing has to be true. Um, No, neither of those things has to be true in the sense that God can be real and you can... I mean... Christianity has more than demonstrated, as have, I guess, other religions that I'm less familiar with, that no matter what horrible shit happens down here, you can expand your worldview. retro. You can retrofit your worldview to accommodate how, you know, it it was always God's way to allow holocausts to happen. You just were re- misreading the Bible. No, I think it's more like uh, uh, one of our gifts on Earth is free will. Is free will, right. So we... Mm-hmm. did that. God didn't do that. No, and nobody's saying that God did that. It's just so hard for many of us to fathom how if God is omnipotent, all-seeing, yes. and mm-hmm. benevolent, that he wouldn't be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right, right. This isn't eating apples anymore. No, I know. Cut the shit. No, I know. But yeah. at the same time, if he's going to give us free will, he's like, look, I gave you guys free will. If this is what you're doing with it, then shame on you, and mm-hmm. you will burn in hell for it. That's when you, I, to me, I almost start subscribing to more of a, um, of a, a, a classically pagan point of view of the gods are just like we're like Netflix to them. Or mm-hmm. you could look at it as this Earth thing is complete. When you think about infinity, yeah. This look when you think about dinosaurs, human beings are a flash in the pan. Yes. So if you think about infinity. It's not even a flash in the pan. It's this are not, yeah, tiny yeah, yeah. little thing that doesn't even last for a, a second. So this is like, uh, this is the whole, you have to let your kids make their mistakes. I guess. Right. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not arguing for the theological side of this. I'm just nor, saying. Nor am I arguing really against right, it. Right, right, right. Just playing a little 
tennis or something. By the way, the friendship paradox, the explanation for that, mm-hmm. as you, I'm sure, know, is there are these people that are like super... I think they do, these are super influencers. Super friends? Can we call them super friends? <laughs> Some people, most people have like 10 or 15 friends, mm-hmm. and there doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground. Some people have like 400. That's weird. It's like a personality trait. And I know that I, I was kind of aware of it, but I saw it in the most like black and white um form i think in one of the it was one of the malcolm gladwell books for sure like my dad used to work with this lady who has sent me a birthday card every year since i was born and she sent me a card when i was married and now she sends cards to my kids and she's clearly one of these people who it's just something in her that she is going to be in she must she must write 50 cards a week if not more, and it's just a thing that she wants to do. And so, yeah, corporations not that long ago started realizing that if you could buy the loyalty of these people, you could spread, quote-unquote, virally your sneakers or whatever really, really quickly because some people are just have a lot more friends than most of us. And they call the, they used to call them tastemakers, and now they call them influencers. That's right, <clears throat> and that's why you're Friends probably have more friends than you do because the odds are you're not one of those people. But yeah, the, over- the odds. But the overwhelming. The mathematical odds. But the overwhelming odds are several of your friends are one of those people because <laughs> those people are friends with fucking everybody. Right. And they drive up the average for your friends. Huh. So it's not really a, a paradox. But again, philosophy, math, physics, all that stuff intertwined. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. Do you, have, do you want to do another one? Well, I think the uh, the uh, probably the most basic paradox is this sentence is a lie. Right. If I say this sentence is a lie, then that sentence is not a lie because I was lying, which makes it the truth, which makes the sentence a lie, which makes it the truth. Over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. George Carlin had a, a bit about that. And then there's that little card you give kids. That, sure, nobody has that anymore. Yeah, the, the statement on the other side of this card is false. And yes. the flip of the statement on the other side, side of this card is true. Right. And it's also the um, the Cretan paradox. How does that one go? Oh, is that the liar's paradox or whatever? Yeah, exactly. All, yeah, yeah. Um, all Cretans are liars, and all I say is the truth. Um, this Cretan said. Right. So... What does that make Cretans? Cretans. <laughs> that is one truthful Cretan. Yeah. There's only one rule. No rules. <laughs> I think that was a t-shirt. A, a but... beer slogan. Something. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm pretty sure Pretty sure the shirt was sleeveless. I don't know. I think I can see a bunch of women appearing at the pool suddenly and uh, drinking one brand of beer. I um, It's a party, man. It just fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> That dog rules. Um, uh, it, this is not a paradox, I guess, but I I love this line. Credited to John Stewart, where I saw it might well have been a Daily Show writer. I have no idea. Religion. Mm-hmm. It's given people hope in a world torn apart by religion. Wow. Oh, man. Oh. 
you have anything you want to take us out on, or are we good here? Yeah, no, uh, we've just proved that we are unintelligent, <laughs> and, uh, but we like to think about stuff. It's fun. My takeaway from this is that I will visit willsnews.com and .org all one day. Of those, one of those will work. All day, every day. I and you got, you got merch now, too, yeah. Nah, you know, yeah. I mean, I've, I'm the only person that's bought any of it, but yeah. Did you I, buy your own merch? Yeah, of course. Yep. Do you have a? That's why I made it. <laughs> Do you have a shirt with your own signature on it? Yes, it's my signature shirt. <laughs>